Hello everyone, and welcome to JTalk Extra Time. I'm John Steele, hosting part one this week. As usual, we have all of the latest news and previews from J2 and J3 coming up uh, on the show today. First of all, in part one, I'm going to run you through the J2 action from Saturday last weekend in uh, round 36. After that, James Taylor's uh, back and banging. He has the uh, review of the Sunday games, plus two rearranged games uh, from Wednesday night this midweek. After that, it's a packed show this week. James and I got together to chat and we did a, a state of J2 uh, conversation looking at the league table with about six rounds of the regular season left to play. After my chat with James, as usual, in J Talk Short Corner, Magic Mike Innes has your J3 roundup and preview of the upcoming J3 fixtures as well. So uh, lots to get through, plenty to enjoy this week, we hope. Let's start with a roundup of J2 from Saturday. Uh, six games from round 36 took place on Saturday last week. We'll start at the top of the table, I think, with the leaders, Machida Zelvia. Now, Machida have wobbled quite a bit recently, but normal service was well and truly resumed away at Nagasaki on Saturday. Machida eventually winning 6-0 at Transcosmos Stadium. Now, early on, Nagasaki keeper Go Hatano had to make a good stop from Yu Hirakawa as the visitors threatened. The turning point in this match came in the 27th minute when the home side were reduced to 10 men. Midfielder Keita Nakamura was shown a straight red card for a studs-up tackle on Hirakawa. Um, looking at the replay, I don't think the referee had much choice. It was a, a dangerous tackle from, uh, from Nakamura and a little bit of a, a silly thing to do in the centre of the pitch. Machida made their extra man count by taking the lead in the 36th minute of the game with Mitch Duke heading in a left-wing cross from Hijiri Onaga. Not sure that the goalkeeper Hatano was in the right position uh, in this situation. He seemed to be in uh, no man's land. But Machida were 1-0 up in the 36th minute. With the last kick of the first half, it was 2-0. Junya Suzuki curling in a superb free kick from fully 30 yards. Hatano uh, got a hand to the ball, but couldn't keep it out. So Machida, two goals to the good at the interval. In the last quarter of the game, Machida added four more goals as Nagasaki ran out of steam. In the 73rd minute, Byron Vasquez crossed low from the right, and Shota Fujio had a tap-in on the edge of the six-yard box for 3-0. Five minutes later, Hirakawa and Fujio traded passes on the edge of Nagasaki's penalty area, and then Hirakawa teed up Renji Matsui to roll in his very first J-League goal from about 10 yards. That was 4-0. Five minutes from full time, it was 5-0 to Machida. Hokuto Shimoda sending an absolute missile of a left-footed shot into Hatano's top right-hand corner from about 20 yards. Absolutely brilliant strike from Shimoda. And to round things off, Machida added a sixth goal two minutes from full time from Takuya Yasui. He had time and space inside the penalty area and bent the ball around Hatano from about 12 yards. So 10-man Nagasaki nil, Machida Zelvia 6 was the full-time score and that means that Machida are 7 points clear of 2nd place and at 9 points clear of 3rd, also with a game in hand. You know, J1 looking very close for Machida 
with six games left to play, or six rounds left to play, I should say. Nagasaki stay in sixth place. They're ahead of the chasing pack by just one point in the playoff tussle, so they'll need to regroup and dust themselves down pretty quickly uh, after this heavy defeat. In other games, on Saturday, Jeff Chiba a suddenly fifth after winning for the sixth game in a row, this time 3-1 at home to a fairly hapless-looking Sendai side. After a strong start at Fukuda Denshi Arena, Jeff went in front in the 41st minute. A long throw into the Sendai box was kept in the danger zone by Hiroto Goya and Dudu with a bit of head tennis. And eventually defender Shogo Sasaki volleyed in from about six yards at a first J-League goal for him. It was 2-0 to Jeff, 11 minutes into the second half. After good interplay between Dudu and Masaru Hidaka down the left wing, Hidaka's low cross was easily converted by an unmarked Goya at the far post. Sendai briefly threatened a comeback when they reduced the deficit with five minutes of the game left. Motohiko Nakajima with a crisp shot right into the bottom corner from 20 yards. But the home side sealed the win with a third goal right at the death. Sendai defender Masahiro Sugata got into trouble out wide on the Jeff left. His miskick allowed Hiro Komori to carry the ball to the edge of the Sendai penalty area and Komori picked out the unmarked Koki Yonekura who made it 3-1 from about 12 yards. So Jeff Chiba 3, Sendai 1 was the full-time score and a big crowd of 13,686 saw Jeff continue there. Somewhat unlikely but getting more believable by the week playoff push. Also amazingly, Sendai 18th, only 8 points clear of the drop zone. What an awful season uh, for them. Oita Trinita picked up their first win in six games thanks to a second half goal from Arata Watanabe away at Mito. It finished Mito nil, Oita won. Things got very complicated in this game for Mito in the 38th minute when their captain Ryosuke Maeda was sent off for picking up a second yellow card. Maeda tangling with Watanabe on the edge of the Mito penalty area. For my uh, opinion, a bit of a harsh uh, decision for a second yellow card. The contact was, was quite minimal, but I think it probably was a foul. So, um, yeah, I don't think Maida can complain too much. The vital goal from Oita arrived in the 58th minute when Kohei Isa's low ball into the penalty area was laid off to Watanabe by Naoki Nomura. Watanabe drilled a low shot through the goalkeeper Rui Yamaguchi's legs uh, thanks to a slight deflection off a defender. So Mito nil, Oita won at full time. Oita in 8th place, just a single point outside the playoff places. Uh, Mito are in 12th, they have 45 points, so looking uh, pretty good for survival, you'd have to say. And uh, this was their first defeat in 10 matches, so uh, yeah, they've been on a really good run recently as well. Moving to the bottom of the table, and in a classic relegation 6-pointer, Iwaki improved their survival chances with a 1-0 home win against fellow strugglers Kanazawa, and it's a result that may prove to be fatal for Kanazawa. You'd have to say Iwaki won, Kanazawa nil was how the game finished. Kanazawa were really up against it for most of this match, and they had a let-off straight after half-time when Iwaki centre-back Ryo Endo headed a corner against the crossbar. And then with just four minutes left, and Kanazawa perhaps thinking that they defended well enough to earn a point, Eiji Miyamoto scored Iwaki's winner with a low first-time drive from the edge of the penalty area. So a 1-0 win for Iwaki, it moves them a full eight points clear of the relegation zone with six games to play. Kanazawa 
At time of recording, a second bottom, they're seven points adrift of safety, and they're in very deep trouble. This was a fifth defeat in a row for them. Um, but let's be positive, they do have a game in hand on the rest of the bottom six. That game in hand is away at Gunma on Wednesday night, and in part two of the pod today, uh, James is going to tell you uh, how that game went um, if he's if he's recovered in time. But yes, Kanazawa away at Gunma on Wednesday night, so that could change the picture at the bottom if they can get a positive result. But uh, no positive result for them in this game. It was Iwaki 1, Kanazawa 0 at full time. 20th placed Yamaguchi also took a huge step towards J2 safety with a hard-fought 1-0 win at home to high-flying Gunma. Yamaguchi 1, Gunma 0 was how this game finished. Yamaguchi pressed very hard and very high straight from the kickoff in this game. They forced Gunma to give possession away at the back time and time again. In the first half, Gunma centre-back Hayate Shiroa had to make a goal-line clearance from a long-range Kim Byon-Yong shot. This was after Gunma's keeper Masatoshi Kushibiki had passed the ball straight out to the Yamaguchi man. There was also a contender for miss of the season in the first half from Yamaguchi striker Toshiya Tanaka. He somehow managed to head the ball over from virtually on the Gunma goal line into the second half and Shiroa had to repeat his trick from the first period with another header off the line to preserve Gunma's clean sheet. But midway through the half, the breakthrough for Yamaguchi came when Kim's long ball out of defence found Kazuya Noyori on the left-hand side of the penalty area. Uh, his shot was carelessly spilled by Kushibiki, a bit of a, a mistake from the goalkeeper you'd have to say, and the ball ran loose and was forced in at close range by onrushing Tsubasa Umeki to make it Yamaguchi 1, Gunma 0. Gunma couldn't recover and that's how the game finished. That leaves Yamaguchi 7 points ahead of second bottom Kanazawa, uh, although they have played a game more than Masaki Yanagista's men. As mentioned, that game uh, is on Wednesday night. Uh, for Kanazawa away at Gunma. Gunma are in 11th place, meanwhile, only four points off the playoff places, and for them, they have two games in hand uh, on all of the teams above them, apart from the leaders, Machida. Uh, as mentioned already, one of those games is coming up this midweek at home to Kanazawa, and uh, James will tell you about that in part two. Also on Saturday, uh, a Tohoku derby at Soyu Stadium finished Akita 1, Yamagata 1, Yamagata got off to a great start in this game when they took the lead in just the fourth minute. Yoshiki Fujimoto bustled his way into the Akita penalty area, somehow managed to wriggle past two or three defenders, and then slid the ball under the goalkeeper Kentaro Kakoi from about six yards. Akita, for some reason wearing their away kit for this home game, came on strong at the start of the second half though, and they had a goal disallowed from a corner. Uh, offside was given against Yukihito Kajia, I think it was the correct call in the end. But moments later, Akita were level, and it was from another corner. A fine header from their captain, Ryutaro Io, just crept inside the far post, beating Yamagata's keeper, Masaki Goto, and that made it 1-1. Late on, the visitors had a couple of golden chances to grab a winner in this game. Firstly, Toya Izumi shot weakly at Kakoi after some good work from Junya Takahashi inside the penalty area. And right at the end, Yamagata managed to get a two-against-one breakaway after they cleared an Akita corner. This was right in the last minute of stoppage time, but um, they got things all wrong, and Shintaro Kokobu ended up firing wide from the edge of the box. So the match finished Akita 1, Yamagata 1. That leaves Yamagata 10th, but only three points behind 6th place Nagasaki. Unfortunately, Yamagata are out of form at the, the wrong time. They've only won one of their last five matches. Akita, meanwhile, are in 16th. They're nine points clear of the relegation zone as I'm talking now, but again, that might have changed 
depending on Canna's hours results away at Gunma on Wednesday night. Okay, I think that's all from me for the uh, the J2 action from Saturday. Uh, please stay tuned though, after a quick uh, musical sting, you're going to hear from James Taylor. He has the J2 games from Sunday and the rearranged games uh, coming up on Wednesday for you. So yeah, please stay tuned. Uh, James will be along very shortly. J2 Extra Time. Thanks, John. James Taylor here with the rest of the J2 action, and let's start at the bottom of the table, where Omiya Ardija came away from the Narawa Otsuka Sports Park Pokari Sweat Stadium with three points, thanks to a 1-0 win over Tokushima Vortis. Keisuke Muroi's sixth-minute goal was the difference as Tokushima ceded possession inside their own half, and Muroi shot in off the post from the edge of the D. Rikia Motegi almost doubled the lead immediately after, but his effort was deflected wide. Tokushima's defence calmed down and they began to control the pace of the game, but without leading scorers Kaito Mori for the first hour and Yoichiro Kakitani for the whole game, they couldn't get past Omiya keeper Ko Shimura. Shimura and Jose Aurelio Suarez both made good saves and it ended 1-0 to Omiya, a win that boosts their chances of at least not finishing bottom. They're two points behind Kanazawa, but nine points behind Yamaguchi. Tokushima dropped to 15th. There was also a big win for Ruasso Kumamoto, who beat Tochiki SC 3-0. Tochiki should have gone ahead in the 18th minute, but Ryuga Tashiro threw himself at an Ishmaela shot, and Koki Oshima hit the bar from 6 yards with the rebound. Kumamoto got a huge slice of luck in the 23rd minute, when a corner was headed by one Tochiki defender onto the back of another, 6 yards from goal, but so powerfully that it looped back into the goal. Then, in the 33rd minute, Shohei Aihara, curled a 30-yard free kick over the wall and across the goalie to make it 2-0. It was 3-0 in the 59th minute, Yuki Omoto finishing after Tatsuki Higashiyama laid the ball off to him. Consecutive 3-0 wins for Kumamoto and a first home league win since the 7th of May. They move up to 17th, 8 points clear of relegation. Tochigi stays 13th. Just below Tochigi in 14th are Fujieda Mai FC, who drew 2-2 away to 4th place Tokyo Verdi. A lovely passing move from Hikaru Nakahara, Kosuke Saito and Koki Morita led to the latter opening the scoring for Verdi in the 17th minute. Anderson immediately equalised for Fujita thanks in large part to Verdi keeper Matthias who passed him the ball while standing about 35 yards from goal. Very unlike Matthias who's been probably the standout keeper in J2 this year. Verdi retook the lead soon after half-time, Saito again the provider, this time squaring for Itsuki Someno to score. They couldn't hold on to the lead again though, then in the 68th minute a big Fujieda corner reached Ken Yamura, who hit it into the six-yard box, where Shota Suzuki stuck out a leg to redirect it in. Points shared, which will suit Fujieda just fine. Verdi stay fourth, a point behind Jubilo Iwata, and three behind Shimizu Espulse. A missed opportunity, bearing in mind the results of the Shizuoka teams early in the afternoon. Second place Shimizu took on Vanfrey Kofu, who retained only one starter from the 11 who started in Melbourne last Wednesday, but included several members of that team on the bench. This one ended goalless, both keepers making some good saves. Shimizu's Shuichi Gonda saving from Nagi Matsumoto and Kofu's Tsubasa Shibuya stopping Carlinhos Jr., the pick of the bunch. Kofu slipped to ninth, two points off the playoffs. Shimizu stay second, two points ahead of Iwata in third, who lost 2-1 away to playoff chasing Fajiano Okayama. Iwata took an early lead in this game. Okayama lost the ball on the left wing midway into their own half. Ryo Jermaine managed to get the ball to a teammate while on the ground, and eventually the ball found its way to Kou Matsubara, who slotted home from 10 yards. Okayama almost equalised immediately, when Issa Sakamoto was gifted a chance by the Iwata defence, but his shot rolled harmlessly wide. They did draw a level after 36 minutes, Yoshitake Suzuki putting the finish on a neat passing move. 
and with a quarter of an hour left to play, Yasutaka Yanagi headed in a corner to complete the turnaround. Then, in the 90th minute, Yanagi cleared a Jermaine shot off the line to preserve the lead and give Okayama the 2-1 win and three points that moved them up to seventh, a point off the playoffs. Iwata stayed third, two points behind Shimizu. There was also some J2 action on Wednesday the 27th, two games rearranged for different reasons. Tokushima Vortis welcomed Rasso Kumamoto in a game moved due to Kumamoto's continuing involvement in the Emperor's Cup, and it was the away side who earned their third consecutive victory. Tokushima welcomed top scorers Kaito Mori and Yoichiro Kakitani back into the starting 11, but the game was decided by Kumamoto Shun Ito, who scored in the 56th minute, beating the offside trap and Suarez in the Tokushima goal. It finished Tokushima 0, Kumamoto 1. Kumamoto are 13th now, Tokushima 16th. And in Wednesday night's other game, Zaspa Kasatsugunma and Zegen Kanazawa restarted their match in the 32nd minute and, miracle of miracles, a minute later, Kanazawa's Kohya Okuda chested down a cross and shot past Masatoshi Kushibiki for Kanazawa's first goal in six games. I'd forgotten what Kanazawa's scoring looked like. Gunma equalised eight minutes into the second half, Chie Edojon Kawakami nutmegging Taiki Kato on the right and floating across that Kanazawa keeper Yuto Shirai watched motionless as it dropped into the net. One all the final score, Gunma upper place to 10th, Kanazawa six points from safety. That's all for the roundup. In a moment, you're going to hear me chatting with John. Welcome back, everyone. John Steele here again in conversation with James Taylor uh, for some J2 chat. It's the the first time in a while we've uh, been able to get our schedules coordinated. Uh, James, how are you doing? I'm all right. Thanks, John. Um, Thanks for doing all the heavy lifting over the last few weeks. And also, I should say thanks to Gary and uh, Daniel and Martin for, for sharing their analysis on their teams. It was really interesting. How are you? Yeah, all, all good, thanks. Yes, uh, thoroughly, uh, thoroughly exhausted after after the heavy lifting the previous <laughs> match. But um, to be honest, as you mentioned, most of it was done by our fantastic guests, and it was just a case of me uh, sort of feeding them questions and then uh, editing editing their responses. So uh, yeah, no, we had a fun fun time, and I, I kind of felt like we had a, a good sort of um, a good tour of a few uh, a few J League or J two teams that we hadn't talked about much. Uh, you know, during the season. So yeah, but it, yeah, it's always good to uh, always good to have you back, uh, James. So um, without further ado, um, in this section, rather than picking out specific games to, to to talk about as as per usual, James, I thought we'd do a kind of state of the J two address, considering that we've got about six games of the the regular season left to play, and then things are hotting up kind of at, at both ends of the table. Initially, I thought I'd soften you up by talking about the, the, the automatic promotion and the playoff picture first. But um, considering we're recording quite soon after the uh, Kanazawa game away at Gunma, this this rearranged uh, Wednesday night game, perhaps we'll start by talking about the, the bottom of the table, if that's not going to not going to scare you off straight away. I should say, first of all, I'd completely um, forgotten that this Gunma Kanazawa match, the Wednesday night game, was going to start from the 31st minute. Um, because that's when it was uh, abandoned, when it was initially staged. So, the, yeah, the, the last kind of 60 minutes was played out tonight, wasn't it? And uh, it finished in a, a 1-1 draw. Um, but, but let's talk about the wider picture at the bottom of the, the, the J2 table, uh, James. Obviously, rock bottom, we've got Olmia on 30 points from 36 games. Uh, Kanazawa's draw tonight means they're still second bottom on 33. And then it's a six-point gap to safety with uh, Yamaguchi on 39. With six games to go, uh, James, and my kind of serious analytical head on, 
Um, looks like Ormia and Kanazawa remain in, in fairly desperate trouble. Does that does that sound right to you? Yeah. Um, when we were arranging this chat the other day, you texted me to say, oh, let's do 10 minutes on automatic promotion, 10 minutes on the playoffs, and 10 minutes on relegation. I can give you 10 seconds. Ormia and Kanazawa are going down. <laughs> That's that's the kind of hard hitting analysis we've missed in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Let's move uh, on. I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, well, I can give you a few more minutes if you want. I think um, the the point tonight for Kanazawa keeps them alive, but on Sunday they're away to Yamaguchi, and that could be the end. Um, have to win, and winning has not been um, something that Kanazawa have done recently. They lost five in a row, winless in seven. Uh, didn't score in any of those five losses. So it was nice to see a goal tonight before uh, the zone uh, did its thing and stopped me from watching actually the rest of the game. But what 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 I think in the second half of the season, Kanazawa have been the worst team in the league by mm. far. Olmia, mm. they actually have shown. I mean, they have still had some terrible performances and. But they have had um, some some good performances, and they've shown a lot of metal, and they've they've pulled out some good results. The fact they had such a terrible first half of the year meant they've been playing catch up from so far behind. But Kanazawa just there hasn't been any of that. It's just been like the the players are trying, they're really trying, but they're so low on confidence and so out of form that nothing's working and the slightest mistake is punished with goals and it and then they kind they, they play these uh, six point matches again they had kumamoto we we went ahead but drew one or we lost to tokushima uh, barely you know barely registered in that one we lost to iwaki um where we were thrashed one nil by iwaki that that was that was outrageous we lost to omiya so We've we've lost to most teams, I think. Anyway, but mm-hmm. it, I, as obviously, I, I'm, you know, I still support the team and still hope for a miracle. But I really can't see it happening this year. There just doesn't seem to be any of the the belief or the the luck that we had, say, in 2021 when we survived on the final day. Mm. So I think relegation is is sorted. To be honest. Mm, yeah, I mean, I feel like as the kind of co uh, co host uh, on the pod for this episode, I, I should be making a case to to disagree with you. But I think, um, I mean, Ormia have been bottom for I don't even know how long, but pretty much every time I've talked about Ormia for six months, I've been at bottom side Ormia rock bottom Omia. So they, they haven't really, like you said, there's there's no doubt they've improved since mm. the first day of the season, but they haven't improved enough to be a, in any serious danger of escaping the drop. I mean, nine points behind, uh, you know, nine points adrift to safety with six games to go. It'd be just an absolute miracle if they can, if they can escape. And uh, yeah, Canada are in a, in a similar boat, aren't they? Obviously, they're, they're only six points adrift. But like you said, that match away at Yamaguchi uh, on on the weekend on Sunday is just um, it's massive, isn't it? I mean, it's big big boy, you know, big boy football is clearly defined as you'll ever see. I think a win a win for Yamaguchi will uh, will finish Canada off. So 
uh, whilst it's important that they don't lose the game, they really have to win it, don't they? A, a point won't won't be enough at this at this stage. I think the most instructive uh, thing to do at this point as well, James, is just looking at the league table and looking at um, number of losses. So just just looking yep. at the kind of teams who are not looking at the twenty teams not in the relegation zone. I think the the, the highest number of defeats is sixteen, right? I think Yamagata, Kumamoto. Iwaki and uh, somewhat surprisingly Sendai, they've got 16 defeats from their kind of 36 uh, games or Kumamoto played one extra. They, they played 37 already. But if you look at the relegation zone, Kanazawa, 21 defeats, five more than anybody else. Omiya, 22 defeats, six more than anybody else. It's really, really hard for me to be on the other side of the, the microphone and, and make a case for survival when you've lost five or six games more than anybody else. And I think it's really going to hurt them. Obviously, you know, 60 goals uh, conceded uh, apiece for Kanazawa and Omiya. That's the worst worst record uh, in the division. Although I see Fujieda are giving it a good go. They've let in 59. Mm. Um, and I, I just, it's really hard to find... Um, kind of reasons to be cheerful or reasons to be optimistic i mean obviously the main the main one to cling to is mathematically nothing settled uh mm. and by so you know fo- football is uh, often miraculous and, and j2 is probably the most miraculous version of football there is so it's not it's not a done deal but um all me i just think have left themselves way too much to do uh, and too few games to do it and for kanazawa i think you're right i think it it, it really does hinge on that game at the weekend away at Yamaguchi, if they can somehow win that one, I think they've got four four of the last five are at home, aren't they, for Kanazawa? Yeah. So that's uh, that's a possibility um, of them maybe picking up some points and, and maybe Yamaguchi will fly into a panic and, uh, you know, have a late a late collapse. But um, I think we're, we're clutching at straws a little bit, aren't we, mm. uh, on, on this? So, um, yeah, I, I hope, you know, we've got loads of Ormia supporters uh, who, who listen and, and Kanazawa supporters as well. You know, I feel for you and you and Victor at pretty pretty uh, low low point, I suppose. But, um, yeah, I don't know how you feel about this, uh, James. We, we were talking, obviously, before recording, uh, and I just kind of felt like if you're a neutral, kind of on the outside looking in, I mean, these are two teams that have struggled for the last two or three years at the wrong end of the table. Is it, is it just a, a case of the, the sort of chickens finally coming home to roost, do you think? Like the, the, the front office can't really get away from kind of bad recruitment and, and, and bad sort of, um, or, or failure to change managers when necessary, perhaps in Kanazawa's case. Is it is this just a case of like the last two or three years catching up with both of these teams, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we say it every year, Olmia changed their manager and then that manager gets them just to safety they mm. give them a, a transfer window in the winter mm. they get a new squad and then it goes badly again mm. so i'd say that's, yeah that's bad recruitment on their part for for kanazawa they should have changed the manager i think it's become increasingly clear i think when we talked about kanazawa in july i was um I think I think I said either at the end of 2021, they, they, when we survived on the last day, would have been a good time, or 2022, when we 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 survived with a few weeks to go, having had a pretty bad run uh, for no apparent reason in the middle of the season. Those were signs that um, you know things had run its course with 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 the but they kept mm-hmm. him on and. Things are even worse. He promised that things would change. Well, they have changed, I suppose, but not for the better. 
you still can't poach a defence, still can't end the slump. And for Omi, I, I, we've 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 been wondering for the last few years why exactly they've been so bad, what exactly is going on behind the scenes there, because whoever they hire can't seem to to get them above mm. the bottom six. Mm. So. Yeah, I think you're right. They've, these teams, they've been circling the drain for a while now and um, they deserve to go down, to be honest. You lose that many games, you concede that many goals, you play that badly, you deserve to go down. There's mm. no argument about that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think we, um, we, we, we're we sounding like t- teachers and parents to, to, to varying <laughs> degrees, but um, yeah, it's exactly <laughs> right. You might, you, let, you know, you let yourselves down, you wasted yeah. my, you know, it's not, it's not only your time you've wasted, you wasted my time. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think to be honest, I mean, I, I feel very conflicted on this because I feel, I, you know, being relegated is tough, and it, I, a lot of lot of listeners, a lot of friends, you know, mutual friends of ours support Omia, support Kanazawa, so it's a tough time to be in. But I also think it doesn't um, doesn't help anybody to uh, shy away from just the, the the naked facts as you've laid them out. The, these have been the two worst teams, haven't they? They lost way more games than anybody else. They're letting more goals than anybody else, and that's left them with an absolute. Um, mountain to climb with uh, with with six games six games left. So we, we, we'll see how it goes. But I think we um, probably one of our roles is to manage expectations, isn't it, <laughs> on the pod? So uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not expecting um, either of these teams to uh, to survive. But um, we've been wrong before, James. So you you, you never know. We'll we'll wait and see. I think we 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 both need a lift, uh, James, yeah. at this point. So let's uh, let's shift attentions to the top of the table. Uh, the top of the J2 uh, standings where we have uh, Machida in first and kind of after a, uh, that kind of recent uh, wobble or, or mini wobble, obviously winning 6-0 at Nagasaki has, has kind of snapped that, snapped the wobble. It doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Um, steady the wobble. Steady the wobble. That's better. Thank you. I mean, and you, you know, I'm so glad you're you're here to help. Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think Machida, I mean, no one's going to stop them from getting into J1, are they at this point? And I think... Um, pre-season, I think I had Machida and Shimizu as my top two, uh, not to sound too smug with, with six mm-hmm. games left to play, but I think they're in the top two position at the moment. And then obviously we've got um, Iwata hot on their heels, uh, Verdi hot on, Tokyo Verdi, sorry, hot on uh, Iwata's heels. And then there's that gap of four points, but, uh, you know, only four points, but, you know, it could be big it, to Jeff in fifth. Um, I, I really feel like it's Machida plus one, isn't it, for the automatic promotion places? And the one is most likely to be uh, Shimizu. They have a much better goal difference than uh, Iwata, as well as being two points better off. So um, I, I think for me, um, I'm expecting, well, I think everybody's expecting Machida to get the job done and, and get promoted. And I think Shimizu seem most handily placed to, to join them, especially since Iwata's form is not that good at the moment. Um, James, you want any, any any disagreement there, or what, what what are you thinking? No, I agree. I think yeah, Machida um, are, are pretty much confirmed as going up, aren't they? Really, mm. um, they have a, a good habit of getting results even when they don't play particularly well. Mm. And um, by the way, did they sign Ademilson, or did I dream that? Oh, they they signed him. Yeah, I've seen him uh, running around. Yeah, because as far as I could tell, he played that one game when Duke and Fujio weren't available, and then that's it. Is he injured? I, 
Uh, I'm, I, I don't know. He didn't look. Um, I'll, I'll choose my words carefully uh, here. He didn't look particularly fit mm. in the game that I saw him uh, play. I know he's a bit older than he was when he uh, when he was up front for, for Gamba uh, a few years back. But yeah, he didn't look in the best uh, condition. So um, yeah, I'm not not sure if he's injured or just uh, just needs a, needs time to get match get match fit again. But. Uh, yeah, no, I've I've definitely seen him wearing the match of the shirt and running yeah. around. I didn't imagine it. All right, good. Yeah, so I think uh, anyway. Sorry, it's uh, <laughs> my detour. I think Machida are, are going up. They've been top of the table for most of the year. They haven't really um, looked in any danger of slipping up. They had a few losses, obviously, or a few draws, but nothing um, to suggest that they would uh, miss out completely. And the team I think most likely to join them is Shimizu. Because they just seem... I mean, they're only two points ahead of Iwata at the moment, but they just seem unstoppable, really. They they had that really good comeback win over Machida not so long ago, didn't they? And they were 2-0 down and they won 3-2. Mm, mm. And they should be up there. I mean, they've got the guy who was Japan's goalie in the World Cup just nine months ago. They've got a guy who was Japan's best player at the World Cup before that. They've got last season's J1 top scorer. They've got um, another guy who played for Japan a few years ago. They've got um, presumably a lot of money to spend on other players. I think, plus they've got a really good manager. I'm quite pleased at how well Akiba's getting on there. Because um, mm. he, 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 I know, he, he, what, what do you think of his um, buzz cut that he's got now? Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh uh, yeah, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone very, very short on on top. Yeah, I, I've done the same thing, but it was it was uh, you know nature's forced it upon me. I think he he's yeah. gone for his kind of <laughs> stylistic choice. Yours was less of a choice, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Mine mine was a necessity. I, I will add, uh, uh, James, just while we're on Shimizu, uh, th- their running is quite interesting because at the weekend they have a, a Shizuoka derby away at Fujieda. Mm. Uh, and they followed up with another Shizuoka derby, the, the the more traditional one at home to Iwata. So obviously that's huge considering their their positions in the table. I think if they can come out of those games, well, if they if they beat Iwata at home, then the the rest of the running looks um, less intimidating. They go to Iwaki, then they're at home to Kumamoto and Omiya, who you know that's the penultimate game. Omiya are probably going to have their fate uh, sealed by then, and then they're away at Mito on the last day. So. Um, obviously, the derby games are always tricky, so going to Fujieda and then hosting Iwata looks tough. But the, the, the four games left on the run-in, it's not against the, it's not, not entirely unbelievable that they just reel off four straight wins to, to end end the season. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I'd, I'd put Shimizu in, in in pole pole position to, to, to for automatic promotion as well. Iwata could catch them up, but their form's pretty rotten at the moment, isn't it? Um, yeah. I think they've only got one one win in the last four or five, so they're, they're kind of wobbling at the wrong time. And um, yeah, as I mentioned already, they're 16 goals worse off in terms of goal difference. So even if they can bridge that two-point gap to Shimizu, they, they they'd still need a you know another point from somewhere to to, to get them up into second on goal difference. So I, I think Shimizu are holding uh, not all the cards, but most of the cards, aren't they, for the the automatic promotion? 
um, place that's that's up for grabs. If we if we assume that it's um, and this is a dangerous thing to say, probably if we assume that it's going to be Machida and, and Shimizu, then uh, James, what about the uh, what about the kind of bun fight for the the playoff places below them? So we've got you, you know I think Iwata and uh, Tokyo Verdi. Well, Verdi are let's see, Verdi are seven points clear of seventh and Iwata eight points clear. So I, I think for me, they're starting to look like shoe-ins for the top four at this mm. point. And I, I don't really see either of them uh, dropping out. I mean, Verdi in particular seems to have been fourth for about four months now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Iwata around there as well. The other two playoff spots, fifth and sixth, I think this is where we might be getting most of our kind of box office entertainment over the last sort of three or four rounds because I make it that... I think Mito in 12th, they're too far behind. I think they're 10 points, 10 yeah. points adrift, so they're not going to do it. But above them, anybody from 11th to 5th, uh, you know, there's only five points separating uh, Yamagata and Gunma on 52 points in 11th and 12th, and then Jeff in 5th on 57. So um, obviously Jeff are kind of crazily on six straight wins and are right up there. Uh, in fifth, and then you've got Nagasaki's Okayams, Oita, uh, Kofu all, all vying for the other two playoff places. Of course, it's impossible to know what's going to happen, but it, it, if you had to kind of nail a couple of teams, um, nail a couple of teams to the playoffs. If you, if you had to nail on fifth and sixth place, <laughs> uh, James, what would you? Uh, where, where would your money be, or where would your nails be? Yeah, well, I, I think you're right. Iwata and Verdi will finish in in the top in the playoff spots though. I don't know if they'll necessarily finish third and fourth because I could see Jeff overtaking um, one of those. On the other hand is Jeff, so they could um, drop out completely and finish 11th, who knows. But um, yeah, Nagasaki, I think last last week was uh, was a one-off, so I don't think they'll they'll go off, you know, losing 6-0 every week. So I think they'll, they'll finish in the playoffs. But apart from that, it's really hard to tell. I mean, Okayama, they... They, they go on these good winning streaks, but then they have a few dodgy weeks. Or, but they they do have a good squad, and they have a good habit of of scoring late goals. Oita is interesting because I remember before in preseason we we wrote them off completely, and then for the first couple of months they were right up there with Machida, then they've fallen away completely, and they've had a really awful. Um, well, not really awful, but a pretty poor second half of the year. So, I mean, they could could do what Sendai did last year and miss out completely, or they could just sneak in. I mean, they, uh, I'm assuming that they were going for automatic promotion and playoffs as a bare minimum. So, to miss out would be a, a big blow for them. Mm, or um, Oita, Oita, the only team uh, in the top eleven to have a negative goal difference as well, mm-hmm. minus two. Yeah. And Kofu, they've got to manage um, their uh, Champions League fixtures as well, um, which I think they did okay in the last week, didn't they? Because they, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they they probably should have beaten Melbourne. And then Yes, they were much it, the better side, weren't they, in that game? Yeah. They, I think they, from the highlights, it seemed like they had, um, for large portions of the game against Shimizu, they had the better of that game as well, but that was... Uh, that was a draw. So, um, you know, they they obviously have a good squad. Gunma have got a game in hand, and they're only three points off sixth. So, it'd be great to see them up in finishing the playoffs. 
I don't know if they will be able to. And Yamagata, I think a bit too hit and miss. It's interesting that they of the of the top half they've got the most losses. Sixteen. Well, they've got sixteen wins and sixteen yeah. losses, so it's a very very mid table vibe to that to that record, isn't there? So I th- I think we're looking at I I. Yeah, I, I think I, I can't. I, I really I can't choose mm. who's gonna who's gonna do it. To be honest, because mm. it's it's too tight and there's too many of them. Mm. And no, that's fair enough. It was an absolute hospital pass for yeah. for me, so don't don't worry. Uh, but I think don't worry this about is that. Be the most interesting um, part of the final. The, the most interesting thing in the final part of the season is going to be who. Who gets those playoff spots? Well, I think I agree. I, I have a strong and uh, apologies again to to Omiya and uh, Kanazawa supporting their <laughs> listeners because we really put them through it um, in this segment of the pod. But I think Omiya and Kanazawa's fate uh, will be sealed with two or three rounds left, mm-hmm. and Machida will be promoted with a couple of rounds to spare. I think a couple of games to spare, and I think that leaves us with maybe a kind of tussle for second place, the other automatic promotion spot, and then the the, the playoffs will be the, like you said, where the kind of value is in the final sort of month or so in in the running. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm with you that I would love to see Gunma get into the the top six, um, because I think they sort of. Mm, they sort of deserve it and from a kind of moral standpoint. Uh, but I do feel that the squad is just a bit too thin and they draw too many games to actually do it. I know they're only three points off, but there's there's a, a huge, as we mentioned, there's just a ruck of teams in a, a similar situation. So I think Goodman might fall a bit short. I agree also about Yamagata. I think on a good day, they're a top six team. And on a bad day, they're a 14th place team, and that's why they're 11th. Um, <laughs> and you're never you're, you're never going to get very far with Keisuke Nishimura as one of your starting uh, centre backs. Where we get that get that get that out there, uh, get that mentioned uh, quickly. Okayama, uh, not sure how good they actually are, um, mm. but they do have the potential to cause teams problems. They're obviously not as strong as last season. Uh, 15 draws is quite a lot. Um, and I think that's been Gunma's problem as well, hasn't it? Drawing too many games. So I think they, they'll they be up there until the last minute, but they don't entirely convince me. Nagasaki have been in the top six for ages. Mm. So it seems like it kind of um, it's fate that they will be in there, and um, they don't lose that often, even though obviously they, they had this, they were down to 10 men and ended up shipping six goals um, last weekend. So Nagasaki, I think, they're like a good bet. Jeff, like who knows? Um, people, I think, around the club are finally starting to believe this season, um, which is probably a bad sign um, that, that something, you know, a, a fall from grace or, a, 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 you know, slip-ups just around the corner. Because as you said, it's Jeff. It's Jeff we're talking about. Oita, a funny, really, really funny team because if everybody's fit and playing well, they, they're easily uh, top six worthy, as they were for, for a large part of the, the early, early stage of the season. But I just wonder if their form now has been poor for a couple of months, and they might have left it too late to turn around. I know they won, uh, they won away at Mito at the weekend, and if, if that can be the springboard to some good form, then they might they might get get up there. Kofu, yeah, managing the demands of the ACL is going to be tricky for them. Um, so I would say my head is telling me that it's Nagasaki. 
and probably Okayama that get into the playoffs. That's just how I'm feeling right now. If you ask me tomorrow, I might say something different. Um, but I think Oita ha, uh, don't have a good enough goal difference. Uh, Kofu will struggle to balance the ACL commitments. Gunma draw too many. Yamagata lose too many. And I actually, um, this might be unpopular because it's kind of funny to watch them struggle all the time, but it would probably be good for Jeff just to get into the playoffs at least. Um, yeah. and, I, and I say that because um, for as much as it's a, a basket case of a club in every real sense, that the fans are really good there. And I, I've been, I used to go quite, not regularly, but you know, now and again, and the fans are super friendly, they're super passionate, and they have done a pretty good job of filling that stadium through some pretty slim offerings over the last decade. <laughs> so um, I'll, I'll, I think um, in the same way that I feel sorry for the the, the Omia and, uh, and Kanazawa fans at the moment, I think it's great to see Jeff fans just getting excited. And they did have... Um, pretty much all the home seats were sold out for the game against Jeff. Uh, sorry, for the game against Sendai at the weekend, mm. um, and that's good to see. I think the Fukuda Denshi Arena is a very, very nice stadium, especially when it's full, uh, which is not very often. So I, I actually think um, if I could pick two teams to go in, I would probably pick Gunma and Jeff. That's my Kanto bias showing, probably. But I think it'll be Nagasaki and Okayama, I suspect. But um, yeah, I, I, I really threw you under the bus with that question, James, because it's far too close ah. to close. Much easier talking about the, um, the, 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 the very top and the very bottom, wasn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, let's um let, let let's move you on, uh, James. Before we make any other wild, uh, wild and rash predictions, um, coming up at the weekend, we we can preview the round thirty seven fixtures together. Uh, now, if you like, so four games coming up this uh, Saturday. That's September the thirtieth, and uh, summertime is is officially over. So we have two games at one p.m. on Saturday. That's Sendai against Kumamoto. I think Sendai are 18th and Kumamoto are now up to, I think they're 13th after winning uh, Tokushima uh, in their game kind of brought forward uh, tonight. So uh, yeah, 18th against 13th. There's also, uh, as mentioned, that Shizuoka Derby Fujieda hosting Shimizu. So second place uh, going to 14th. Uh, in uh, at 1 p.m. on Saturday, then at 2 p.m. Kofu against Mito, uh, ninth against 12th, and then at 6 p.m. eighth placed Oita host the bottom side Omiya at the Resonac Dome. So uh, yeah, Omiya again, they're in the situation where they really need to start picking up three points wherever they can. On to the Sunday games. So uh, the rest of the weekend fixtures are on Sunday, October the 1st, and we have a, a 2 p.m. Uh, bonanza. Uh, James, I think we've got six uh, six games at 2 p.m. on Sunday. So Machida against Iwaki. That's the leaders hosting the team in 19th. Iwata against Nagasaki. Pretty big game for the top six. Third against sixth. And another big game, Okayama against Jeff Chiba. I was just talking about them, obviously, in the, the, the kind of playoff um, melee. So seventh against fifth is coming up on, uh, on Sunday. Uh, Yamagata hosts Tokushima. That's 10th hosting 15th. And uh, the big boy football pick of the week, 20th against 21st, Yamaguchi against Kanazawa is also at 2pm on Sunday. I should mention uh, maybe something interesting. This game is going to be played at Shimonoseki, uh, Yam- not, not, not Yamaguchi's regular home ground. Whether that will do Kanazawa any, any favours, uh, we will wait to see. But uh, yeah, change of venue. I think Yamaguchi usually play once a year uh, in Shimonoseki. And uh, this is the game that, that uh, it, it got the nod for this season. 
also at 2 p.m. on Sunday is Tochigi against Akita, 13th against 16th. Now, I think in any other weekend, that would be big boy pick of the week. <laughs> but um, uh, Yamaguchi and Kanazawa are sort of trumping them at the moment. Tochigi and Akita both looking fairly safe and comfortable in, in uh, relative safety, aren't they, in mid-table at the moment. Rounding off the weekend fixtures at 5 p.m. on Sunday, it's Gunma against Tokyo Verde. So the team in fourth visiting the team who are currently uh, in 10th. And yet, yeah, just before I come to you for some comments, uh, James, I'll mention real quick that next midweek, there's an Asian Champions League action again for Kofu. So it's uh, the second uh, round of their group stage uh, adventure. And their first home game, they're hosting Buriram United from uh, Thailand. Uh, that game's on Wednesday, October the 4th at 7 p.m. But uh, yeah, don't get caught out if you're planning to go along because uh, Kofu's home stadium for the ACL is at Kokuritsu Kyogijo, uh, the national stadium in Tokyo. So anyone that's uh, booked, uh, you know, uh, bus tickets to uh, to Kosei, uh, to Yamanashi, uh, get get your money back quickly because uh, you need to be heading to uh, Sendagaya in Tokyo for the, uh, for the ACL game. Kofu against Buriram on Wednesday. Uh, James, I've uh, talked a lot there. What about the the J two weekend? What um, uh, I think I know what you're going to say here. Which which game you're gonna you're gonna be most focused on? But yeah, what what should the listeners be looking out for in uh, round thirty seven? Yeah, well, what's what's good still about this is that we have uh, pretty much every game involves a team with something to play for. In fact, every game involves a team with something to play for. Um, for example, Sendai probably need a win just to ease their worries because although they're they're not likely to get relegated they are only seven points clear of of relegation and they're on a run of three losses well i was going to say they're also rubbish so <laughs> yeah as kumamoto have just managed to win a couple and uh, oh no three in a row now have jumped all the way up to 13. they're probably all right fujieda shimizu yeah it's a derby i think shimizu won't have any problems there really but um yeah, the Kofu have the playoffs to aim for. Mito, I think, don't don't really have anything to play for. I think they're safe. They're not in danger of going down or going up. Ormia have to win at Oita. Um, I think any, anything else, they that's it for them, really. Um, and they beat Tokushima, didn't they, Ormia? So it's not... I know Oita are better than Tokushima, but... Um, Oita's form has been patchy, to say the least. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility that Ormia can get a result there because they haven't been playing too badly for the most part recently. And uh, that was a really good goal by by Keisuke Muroi to get to, to win uh, last weekend. So, yeah, all the Saturday games are all looking good. Sunday, again, teams have stuff to play for. Yamagata are going for the playoffs. Uh, Tokushima probably all right. But uh, we'll still be looking over their shoulders, as will uh, Akita, Tochiki maybe. I don't know. They seem to be playing quite confidently recently. Akita mm. have, although Akita are only 17th, and I think yeah, maybe maybe Akita supporters might be still a bit anxious because uh, they haven't won for a while. They do have a good habit of getting results against good teams. They draw in against teams who are higher up in the table and that is a, a good uh, skill to have and something that I envy great <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah the same Iwaki they, they would need something to, to ease their worries Iwata Nagasaki two playoff teams They're, and then yeah Okayama Jeff two teams going for playoffs 
Goodman, Verdi again, two teams going for playoffs. Verdi are going for automatic promotion as well, aren't they, really? And then, yeah, the big one, you, you've got to say it's the biggest one, isn't it? Yamaguchi against Kanazawa. This, this, Kanazawa have to win. We said it earlier, they have to win. Anything less than a win, and that's that's game over. That's the mm. end. Mm. Um, because that will mean a nine-point gap with, f- what, four, five games left. It's, uh, yeah, that'll be too much. So, um, I wouldn't recommend watching it, but, um, you know. <laughs> I, I, I'm really curious to see what kind of pitch uh, this game is played on mm-hmm. in Shimonoseki, because I don't, I don't know, I assume... Um, it might be the stadium which is usually used by Balain uh, Shimonoseki, which is like the kind of, as far as I can work out, that's that's the sort of highest ranked kind of amateur team, uh, you know, you know, in uh, in, in that part of uh, in that part of Japan. So maybe it's the the the, the stadium is used quite often, the grass is used quite often. But um, uh, yeah, I don't know if that will be of any benefit to either side, but um. Yeah, I mean, that's just the biggest game of, of the weekend, isn't it? I think Yamaguchi will go into it thinking that a point is fine, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, because that will keep them uh, keep, keep, keep Kanazawa at bay. But Kanazawa have really got to uh, go for it, James, like you said. And any, I think even a draw, um, even if Kanazawa are 1-0 down and scramble a last-minute equaliser and come back with a point, it won't be enough. For that. I don't think that'll be, that'll be good enough for them. Um, I think... Just with with the way well, I only saw the highlights of Yamaguchi against Guma, but the way Yamaguchi seemed to dominate that match and they really went for it straight from the from the off and had the, the better of the first. Well, half. There, there there was only one team in that game in yeah. the first half. Yeah, do that against Kanazawa, you'll be three 0 up and coasting at half time. Mm. Mm. It's obvious what that. I remember when we played Yamaguchi at home earlier in the season. I the game plan was pressure there defence and goalie when they've got the ball at their feet they'll give it to you and you'll score and we won 5-2 it's exactly what happened mm. in this mm. game what Yamaguchi need to do is exactly what they did last week against Gunma attack mm. in the off because Kanazawa's Kanazawa's attack has been anemic for the last mm. couple of months and the defence has been calamitous so mm. it's not it's not science it's pretty easy to beat Kanazawa. <laughs> mm, mm, well, I mean, w- this season we've mentioned a few times that Gunma have not been a bad side at all, but they were made to look extremely poor by mm. by Yamaguchi because they just couldn't. Um, Gunma wanted to kind of play out from the back every time they had a goal kick, and mm. Yamaguchi just wouldn't let them do it. And they gave the ball away again and again and again, and they they got away with it a few times. But it, it was something which was so you know it was such a, such a kind of systemic problem that they eventually got caught out. And I, I think Yamaguchi were worthy worthy winners in that game. So that that, that will have given them, uh, unfortunately, I suppose from Canada's point of view, a lot of confidence going into the game, uh, big game on on Sunday. Um, I'll mention as well, uh, real quickly, you know, Iwata Nagasaki. I mean. You know that obviously Iwata not really in great form at the moment, uh, and Nagasaki will be wanting to very quickly brush away that that six nil defeat to Machida. You know, get that out of the system. So I think that's an interesting game on paper. Okayama against Jeff Chiba as well, seventh against fifth, but neither side sort of one hundred percent convincing in terms of a top six place. So that I think that that game might go a long way to um, 
to, to kind of decide in the fate of, of, of these teams' uh, seasons. I think Okiyama as well will have to do some fiddling with their selection, won't they? Because they, they've got um, two or three players on loan from Jeff um, that play regularly in the Rui uh, Suiyoshi and uh, Solomon Sakuragao. So I, I assume they won't be available um, yeah. for this game. So, um, yeah, that, that's an interesting uh, subplot to keep an eye on um, as well. Uh, but yeah, James, like you said, I think something that we uh, we can say for sure, even if we can't predict exactly what's going to happen, is most of these games on Saturday and Sunday have got, got something riding on them that's going to make them interesting and uh, possibly quite stressful, depending on which team you were you're supporting so um yeah if there's nothing else james i think we can uh, we can probably uh move on uh, and and at this point but um yeah hope everybody enjoys their football at the weekend and uh, yeah we we did warn you that yamaguchi kanazawa might be um might be tense so we don't don't blame us if uh if that proves to be proves to be the case but uh james thanks so much for coming on it's really good to uh, to catch up again and to chat it's been uh it, it's been too long so uh, yeah it was good good to get your thoughts and uh yeah i'm glad we were talking after a, a kanazawa draw at least and, and not a defeat yeah it's uh, a bit of a novelty isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah Ho- hopefully hopefully more of the same hopefully more of the same at the uh, at the weekend but um yeah i think that's all from j2 um from james and i for now but uh, as usual we- we'll say thank you uh, for listening and especially to our uh, patrons as well who who give us uh, financial support we-, we really appreciate that of course and we we don't take that for granted we don't take it lightly but um yeah uh, please stay with us because in a moment as usual uh, j talk short corner will be along with magic mike innis and all of the j3 News, reviews, and previews. So please stay tuned. Uh, Mike will be along next. Hello, everyone, and welcome to J Talk Short Corner, the mini pod that keeps you up to date with events in J3 of the J League. I'm your host, Mike Innes, and in this episode, I'll be looking back on fixtures in round 28 of the J3 season, as well as previewing the round 29 matches coming up this weekend. There were five games on Saturday the 23rd, and in their match at home to third-placed Kagoshima United, leaders Ehime FC were beaten for the first time since June. A typical piece of quality from Rei Yonezawa put Kagoshima in front in only the sixth minute, receiving a pass from Noriaki Fujimoto, advancing down the left and curling his shot inside the far post. Ehime were then held at bay by Yasuaki Oshima's team before Yonezawa showed the range of his goal-scoring ability, poaching a finish from Fujimoto's knockdown after Junki Goryo had floated in a corner 13 minutes into the second half. Soon afterwards, Ben Duncan had a shot saved by visiting keeper Ryota Izumori, who put in an assured display on his J-League debut, and the champions-elect subsequently created very little. Final score, Ehime nil, Kagoshima 2. After this subdued performance, the Mighty Mikan's lead is down to 9 points with 10 games to go. The Smoking Volcanoes climb back to second, still unbeaten in the five matches since Oshima took charge. 
And that win for Kagoshima meant Katane Toyama dropped out of the promotion spots following their loss at AC Nagano Pasahiro. The hero for the home side was Leo Yamanaka, a player picked pre-season by your correspondent to make a major impact in 2023, but who barely featured under previous coach Yuki Stauf. With Riki Takagi now in charge, Yamanaka has claimed a place in the starting lineup, and he opened the scoring in only the fourth minute, firing in from close range after Yuki Morikawa had mishit his shot. By the midway point in the first half, Yamanaka had scored again, playing the high press to rob Ryusei Shimodo of possession and slip it under Tomoki Tagawa. And just before the hour, Yuma Funabashi's through ball was received by Hinata Konishi and ran loose, only to be swept in by Yamanaka from 10 yards for his hat-trick. Katara had their half chances but were only able to pull one back with 12 minutes to go. Arthur Silva heading in Hiroya Sueki's cross. Yuya Ono then hit the post with a point-blank header on the rebound from Kim Min-ho's injury time save, but that was it for Katare. Final score, Nagano 3, Toyama 1. Yamanaka will deservedly take the headlines for Pasairo, although this was also an improved defensive display from Takagi's team, who climbed to 14th. Katane lacking composure in front of goal and neither could they deal with Yamanaka's incisiveness as they drop to fifth. Just a point outside the promotion places are FC Imabari following their home win over Van Rare Hachinohe. Imabari looked to be growing in self-belief under Naoto Kudo and were rarely under pressure here, going in front five minutes before the break when Hikaru Arai deflected Takatora Kondo's shot beyond Vanrane keeper Yusuke Taniguchi. Kondo was also involved in the second goal on the hour, crossing for the left for Marcus Vinicius to get in front of the static Daisuke Inazumi and head in. Final score, Imabari 2, Hachinohe 0. Kudo seems to know what he wants and how to use his expansive squad set up to succeed over the remaining part of the season. They're now third. Vanrade, three without a win, and they slip one place to 11th. Elsewhere on Saturday, two teams playing their first matches under new coaches both picked up valuable wins. Iwate Guruja Morioka dispensed of Yoshika Matsubana in midweek, replacing him with youth team coach Tetsuji Nakamikawa in time for their home game against Tegevajaro Miyazaki. The only goal came 16 minutes in, Kaede Shinbo with the corner, Tsuyoshi Miyaichi rising high above the immobile Daisuke Ishizu to head powerfully in. The bulk of the play remained with the home side, Shinbo's set pieces drawing the best out of visiting keeper Kokoro Aoki, Tegevajano's clearest chance, a Kakiru Aoto shot that hit the post. 
Final score, Iwate 1, Miyazaki 0. An encouraging start for Nagamikawa, although he could hardly have hoped for an easier first fixture in charge. Guruja climbed to 12th. For Tegabajano, if you're keeping count, it's now six games without a goal scored. Hiroshi Matsuda's side look as if they're running on empty down in 17th. And Kim Jong-song, fired by Gainare Tottori in June, is back in charge at FC Ryukyu, with whom he won the J3 title in 2018. Kim began his second tenure with a trip to Nana Club, where his players managed the win. Nana striker Hayato Asakawa headed their best chance off target. For Ryukyu, Koki Kiyotake curled a 20-yard shot against the bar, and the only goal came 12 minutes from time. Katsuya Nakano's cross finding its way between defenders Daisei Suzuki and Kei Ikoma, the slightest touch from Haruto Shirai enabling the ball to trickle inside the far post. Final score, Nana nil, Ryukyu 1. Julian Marin Basilo will regard this one as an opportunity missed, although his Nana team hang on to 7th place. Kim's side stay 18th, although have closed the gap on Miyazaki above them to a single point. There were also five games on Sunday the 24th when a pair of teams in particular felt they had a good chance to push up towards the top two, but neither FC Osaka or Azul Claro Numazu took their opportunity. Osaka were held at home by bottom side Giravansk Kitakyushu, Kazuya Mima having a shot well saved by Kenshin Yoshimaru, Takumi Shimada heading against the woodwork from close range, Daigo Furukawa sending a header of his own into the side netting, but the home side couldn't make the breakthrough, while at the other end the Sunflowers rarely looked dangerous. Final score, Osaka nil, Kitakyushu nil. Two points dropped by Ryo Shigaki's team, although they hold on to fourth. Giravance are still bottom, four points behind Sagamihara, seven points off 18th and guaranteed safety. Numazu, meanwhile, hosted Gainare Totori in probably the most exciting match of the round. Naoki Sato missed a chance to put Azul Klano in front when he fired into the side netting after a through ball from Noah Kenshin Brown. Gainare's Taku Ushinohama should have scored when he latched onto a misjudged back pass by Kotaru Tokanaga, but his shot was blocked by homekeeper Hiromu Musha. 0-0 at half-time, Totori taking the lead just after the hour. A lengthy team move ending when Hiroto Sese crossed from the left. Yuta Togashi stretched out a leg and deflected it into the path of Kentaro Shigematsu, who finished at the far post. Musha then saved well from both Ushinohama and Hideyatsu Ozawa as the visitors pushed for a second, and Numazu then equalised with 15 minutes to go. An extraordinary goalmail scramble that Gainane didn't properly clear. The ball eventually reaching Yuma Mori, whose clipped cross, and a cross it surely was intended to be, drifted beyond Koshiro Itohara and in. 
Soon afterwards, Modi could have put his team ahead, set up by the bustling Kengo Kawamata, but he pulled his shot well wide. And in injury time, Gainane stole the winner, attacking with numbers down the right-hand side, the impressive Mio Tsuneyasu slipping in a pass for Ryosuke Tamara to finish at the near post. Final score, Numazu 1, Totori 2. A fourth defeat in five for Azul Claro, now down to sixth. Gainane a level on points with three other teams in tenth. Not a lot of goals to report on elsewhere this week, although YSCC Yokohama were able to come away from Kamatamari Sanuki with maximum points. This they did by scoring the only goal of the game eight minutes before half-time. Hiroto Domoto's free kick reaching Kroki Matsumura, who got the better of Naoki Takahashi and flashed his shot just inside the far post. Kamatamari did press forward sporadically, but visiting keeper Jun Kodama nevertheless enjoyed a pretty quiet afternoon. Final score, Sanaki nil, YSCC one. The poorest performance for a while by the Noodle Boys, who fall four places to 16th. Nine points in four games for YSCC under Kazuki Kuranuki. They're up to 13th. Couple of draws to finish with SC Sagamihana put on a decent display but were held at Fukushima United. Kazuyuki Tona's side took the lead on 29 minutes. Ko Watahiki pulling back across from the byline for recent signing Kazuki Fukui to volley in his first pro goal. A very impressive finish it was too. The home side's equaliser came just after the hour. Kota Mori feeding Ryo Shiohama, who turned away from Muryoji Yamashita and drove it into the roof of the net from 15 yards. Not much goalmouth action beyond that. Final score, Fukushima 1, Sagamihana 1. It's all very tight in lower mid-table, and Fukushima drop back into the bottom six. They're now 15th. The Green and Blacks remain 19th, but their recent form is top half. Finally, the game between Matsumoto Yamaga and FC Gifu started pretty brightly. Yamaga's Kaiga Murakoshi having two good chances early on. The first blocked by Gifu keeper Shu Mogi, the second a spectacular right foot shot against the post. The visitors had their best opportunity on 16 minutes. Charles Undukaz one-on-one shot well saved by Tomohiko Murayama. Yuya Taguchi somehow putting the follow-up wide. It was all rather downhill from there, though. Final score, Matsumoto nil, Gifu nil. Yamagas unbeaten run now stands at three games. They stay ninth. Gifu, a level on points, a place above them in eighth. So now to run through the top and bottom of the league standings after round 28. The top six are Ehime with 54 points, Kagoshima with 45, Imabari 44, Osaka and Toyama 43, Numazu 42. At the other end of the table, the bottom six are Fukushima and Sanuki with 35 points, Miyazaki with 32, 
Ryukyu 31, Sagamihana 28, and bottom of the table with 24, Kitakyushu. Just time now for a quick look ahead to the round 29 fixtures this weekend when there are three games on Saturday the 30th. Massive match at the foot of the table. It's Sagamihana against Kitakyushu. Ryukyu still need points at home to Nagano. And in mid-table, Matsumoto head north to Hachinohe. Seven games on Sunday the 1st. Leaders Ehime are at Fading Toyama. Second place Kagoshima host YSCC. Imabari are looking at a tricky trip to Totori. Osaka are also on the road as they go to Sanuki. Numazu are at home to under new management Iwate. Gifu play host to Fukushima. And Nana go to off-form Miyazaki. With all the week's business seen to then, that's it for this mini-pod. All that remains is for me to say thanks for listening, enjoy your football, and see you next time. Bye for now.